Welcome to the Real Music Talk podcast. Music conversations with one big question. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Music Talk podcast. My name's Keith Hall, and I'm your host. This is episode number 17, and this is the first of two episodes with the great Luciana Souza. She is a fantastic vocalist, a composer. She's a Grammy Award winner, and she has numerous Grammy nominations in addition to that. She's performed and recorded with James Taylor, Paul Simon, Herbie Hancock, Danila Perez, Bobby McFerrin. The list goes on and on. She has numerous recordings under her own name. Please go check her out. Um, she is fantastic. Uh, and she's probably one of the warmest people I have ever met in my life. You will hear it. And we had met 10 years ago at a performance where I was just subbing for uh, Antonio Sanchez, just kind of an emergency situation. And uh, we have not seen each other since. And I don't think she remembered who I was when I had asked her to do the podcast. So you're going to hear us kind of uh, meet each other again. And it's, it's kind of a funny moment. So uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, let's get right into this and hear from the fabulous Luciana Souza. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? How are you? Oh, it's you. <laughs> uh, Didn't we play together once? <laughs> we did play together once. God, I remember. I you remember. do. Oh, well, Antonio was stranded, wasn't that it? Yeah. That's right. But I remember you saved you saved my life because I think Antonio and Scott were stranded and Ed and I made it. Wasn't that it? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It was 2010. I had to go back and look. And uh, I remember I got a phone call uh, from you and you said, hi, this is Luciana Souza. I'm a singer. And I was like, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> you don't have to explain. I'm a desperate singer. Can you save my life? please? Yeah. You said, would you be able to come play? Uh, let me think about that. Yes. And you learned um, all the music. We, we actually did some, like we did some bosses and things, right? Didn't we? Yeah, we, I think we tried to. I, I do remember, though, and I have I have to say this. It's you made me feel like uh, a million bucks, really. Uh, if, through the rehearsal, through the performance, you made me feel like, you know, I belong. But you probably sounded like a million bucks, too. I mean, well, I don't know oh, about that, but I was having fun. <laughs> I remember the feeling of like, wow, we made through. Man, it was amazing. I remember that. Yeah. That I remember. That stayed with me. Well, yeah. it was pretty magical. I mean, and for you to be on such a high level vocally and rhythmically, I remember being totally knocked out by your rhythm. Oh, and then, of course, I'm, then you were clapping and doing all sorts of, you know, uh, rhythmic things with your hands. And, um, I'm Brazilian. That's yeah. it. It's all, it's all about that. Right? Not, I'm not special at all, but no. I, I appreciate you saying that. No, now. you're definitely special. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, it, yeah, it being kind of magical and feeling like, wow, that was really special. But the other thing I remember, which I think is uh, kind of a lost uh, art in some way is that you sent me a handwritten thank you note, which I ke I may still have it. I don't know. I kept it for a long time. I mean, first of all, because it, it meant a lot to me, but it was also a reminder just of how how kind oh, you are and how kind mm -hmm. we can be. You know, in those little things, no one sends handwritten thank you. Well, I still anymore. do to this day. You know. 
I'm in my 50s and every well, gig I do, I mean, not to the musicians who are on the road with me all the time, but every year I send them something. Right. But, um, yeah. but to presenters and people who hire me, I feel so grateful because they have such choice. I mean, they could hire anybody and they could bring in anybody. And you guys saved my life. So I'm glad I behaved well with you because it could have gone the <laughs> other way. Different. I could have forgotten or just been busy. And, but yeah. Yeah. But those little things, they mean so much. People remember those things. And I think you, you know that. I, and, I was uh, taught besides that, yeah. being, <laughs> <laughs> Besides being a fantastic musician, uh, you know, to be such a warm, uh, inclusive and inviting person, it, it made everything just uh, amazing. We have to thank our mutual friend, Andrew, for yeah, kind of reconnecting he's... us and uh, you know, you come up in conversation all the time, and I know you. I love him. He is very close. We're very tight. Yeah, you guys go way back, right? Oh God, I don't even know. Graduate school, nineteen ninety-four. I think the first time I uh, heard you sing was on that Danilo record. Um, right, I did a couple with him. Yes. Yeah, and I had been hearing about you. Uh, mm -hmm. This is in the nineties, right? This is in like mid nineties, I think, or early nineties. Yes. And um, just fabulous. I mean, you you mentioned, you know, being you're from Brazil. And so you've got this flavor that is just so special, you know, rhythmically and, and um, uh, just with the language. And um, you come from a family of musicians. That's right. Uh, poets, I think I read. And, yes. And your yeah. parents are very, very artsy, very talented. Uh, very hip, hip yeah. hippies. Yes, <laughs> they were. <laughs> what was that like growing up? It was, I mean, it was all I knew. So right. it felt like normal to me. But then I would go to people's homes and the parents had regular jobs and it was <laughs> just so normal. And, you know, yeah. um, but it was wonderful. It was very rich. And what I loved about it is that they made sure that everything was there for us. I mean, we, they were hippies and, you know, very artistic people. But they were also, you know, they took us to the dentist. They took care of us, you know. We all graduated from school. I mean, I went on to get a master's in music. I mean, they really pushed us. Yeah. And... Um, and they really didn't want us to be musicians, but it turned out that everybody is working in music in some way really? because it's unavoidable. You know, like I have a brother who's a great arranger, plays piano yeah. down in Brazil. I have a sister who's involved in sort of broadcasting, but also connected with music. We have a record label that my parents ran for many years. So I have a sister who takes care of that. Yeah. So everybody's involved in music, although they wanted us to be lawyers and doctors. You know, we were bitten by the, the music bug early on. And, you know, lots of musicians came through the house growing up. Lots of really people that I didn't know they were important, but I just knew they were musicians and friends. Mm -hmm. And that felt so good. You know, it was just such a good feeling of this community mm. uh, in the house. And they communed by making music. So there was always food because there were a lot of kids. Yeah. So hungry musicians stopped by and ate, and, and that was a, just a beautiful thing. I value that so much more now that I know what that, what that made me as a person, you know, how that formed me. Yeah. Who were some of the early musicians you were influenced by? Well, for sure, I grew up on the music of Jobim. I mean, my dad was, uh, was a self-taught guitar player, and he grew up in the same town as Ron Gilberto, who's the, the you know, one of the fathers of Bossa Nova, at yeah. least the style father of Bossa Nova, who created that, you know, way of singing and playing the guitar. So they grew up together. And when João moved to Rio, he then called my dad. So they were real peers and pals. So we grew up listening to the same kind of music. I mean, sambas from the 20s, 30s and 40s, and then 
50. It's also, but then Bossa from the, from 60s on. And my dad always had a guitar with him. He was constantly playing. So I grew up just listening. The soundtrack of my life is my dad holding a guitar and singing a bunch of songs. So I know bits and pieces of so many songs. Some of them I don't remember. And, you know, but somebody sometimes starts humming something like, I know this. And they're like, how do you know this? And well, my dad taught me, you know, and he wasn't really teaching us, but he was just doing his thing. And Mm. then it was penetrating our brains and hearts. So I feel so lucky, basically, uh, just because the music had such quality, harmonic quality, melodic quality. I'm not saying the music nowadays is bad, but there was something about the music of that time. That was so rich harmonically and melodically. And then, of course, the lyrics have a great deal of humor, and they're yeah. so rhythmic. And Brazilian music just has this thing, you know, this symbiosis of flavors from Africa and Portugal. And so this combination that doesn't happen anywhere else, I just feel incredibly blessed to be born at that time in that family. You know, it's just, a, you know, I'm lucky. Yeah. Did, did you ever meet Joao? Uh, as, a, as a child, yes, many times. But I, you know, I don't remember like, you know, any kind of special thing with him, but I did meet him. I played, I opened for him here at the Hollywood Bowl many years ago. I think it was 2003, maybe, uh, with the great Romero Lubango, who's a guitar player who played with me for a long time and still does. Uh, And we got to to open for Joan Roberto at the Hollywood Bowl for 18,000 people. And that was just, as you can imagine, just a fantastic thing. So, Wow. We didn't do anything with him. We left, and then he took on the stage. And uh, but it was it was just an honor. So. Oh, that's incredible. Well, you you mentioned uh, symbiosis, you know, with styles and things. And and when I think of you, I think about uh, all your collaborations and how mm-hmm. it seems like that's what you've done with your career. You've got uh, these duo records. Uh, you've got um, albums with uh, this latest one. I, I think it's the latest one with uh, Vince Mendoza and the WDR band from Cologne. And uh, you were featured on the Yellow Jackets album. Um, I'm a huge Yellow Jackets fan. Oh, me too. Yeah, You go from one end of wordless vocals, which I'd love to talk about a little bit, uh, Mm -hmm. all the way over to the other end where you're actually setting music to poetry, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's always combining. Where does, does that just come from? your kind of Brazilian upbringing in some way that you're always kind of reaching out? I think it came from not being, I mean, from not being told that I couldn't, you know, what I love about jazz and still love about jazz and will always love about jazz is that there are no doors that are locked. They may be a little ajar and you have to push hard and kind of, you know, make your way through sometimes, but uh, no one says no to things. And that's the music I want to live in. It's the music that allows me to be one day with Danilo, the next day with Kenny Wheeler, work with Andrew Rathbun, work with you, you know, subbing for us and saving us that that day, and then move on and work with Vince and then set my own poetry to music, set somebody else's poetry to music, do wordless music. I mean, no no one told me I couldn't. And so I just keep on going, you know. And, 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 and again, there's no strategy. I mean, I love this idea of a career in music. I've lived music my entire life. I'm glad I've been able to make a living. Sometimes it's been easier. Sometimes it's been very hard, as you know, as a musician. Um, but I, there, there has been a, no, no intent in the career. Let me strategize and make sure that I'm, you know, there's just been projects and situations that I've taken my space 
and sometimes I've walked into and stumbled, you know, upon. Yeah. And so it's been really incredibly rich and I've, I feel so lucky and I, I don't say this lightly. I mean, I really do think that there's some kind of divine intervention here that's been, you know, taking me to places that I could not imagine coming from where I come from. I mean, I wanted to come to Berkeley and I, you know, to, to Berkeley College of Music when I was 18 I was given a scholarship, which was wonderful, and I wanted to study jazz composition. I wanted to write big band music. I thought I was going to be like Toshiko Kiyoshi, Maria Schneider, yeah. Carla Blade. That's what I loved to do. Okay. But I didn't have that talent. I didn't have that talent and the patience for writing and learning about voices and things. I mean, it was just not my thing. I came into Berkeley as a guitar player because oh. I play a little guitar, like bossa guitar. Yeah. And they told me to go across the hall and audition for the voice department. So I did. <laughs> so I was very, I mean, literally, it was like, okay, somebody puts a finger and pushes me in that direction. I go. And so I said yes to some things and just kind of literally stumbled on things. So then became a singer at Berkeley, but studied jazz composition. So I didn't leave that dream of mine. And I think that that was crucial for me because studying jazz composition really opened the, these doors for me. It, it left everything unfinished. Like, okay. Now you know a little more, you have more tools, mm -hmm. go try write your own music, go try and do other things. And I think the fact that I compose, and that's something I always tell my students, even if you don't think of yourself as a writer, write. Mm -hmm. Because it makes you understand somebody else's music better, and it pushes you into your creative space. Even if you fail, it doesn't matter, just keep going. That's where you need to be, in that kind of, kind of alone space failing, mm. you know, and pushing yourself up. And, and, you know, music is language, and I think writing is very important. I mean, I think reading and singing, and that's very good, but it's the writing that's differentiated me. And I think that also has been a thing that other composers can say, oh, she'll get what I'm doing because she, she writes or she tries to write. <laughs> you know, even if it's not good, they know that I'm like, okay, she'll get my music. She'll be able to fit in. She'll see her place in my music because she can see it as a composer or arranger or something. Right. And, uh, and that's been just, I mean, I, I think I was just lucky. My brother said, why don't you do jazz comp? You know, like I had some people who just guided me and I can't just, I, all I can do is be grateful. You know, you have so many different kinds of projects and it's always like, what is she going to do next? What's the next album going to be here? And, and then career wise, that's very difficult because then labels look at you and say, well, but, but that was so good. Why don't you do another Brazilian mm -hmm. thing? Well, cause I've done three of them, right, you know, it's right. time to move on. And so, <laughs> You know, there's challenges to that as well. Yeah. But I, I have to say, I, I feel lucky that I've just been pulled up by just the most fantastic people. You know, whether it's Maria Schneider or Danilo or John Paritucci or, who, or Yellow Jackets, more mm. recently Vince. Just, I mean, I've, I, what can I say? I mean, it's just, it's a dream, you know, yeah. to be able to look, look at your life. I'm in my 50s now, look at your life and go, man, I've exceeded whatever dreams I've had about, you know, connecting, mm. learning from, performing with, recording with. It's just, it's done. You know, I really don't feel, it's not like I feel like, oh, I have nothing else I want to do, but I feel so satisfied and so, so, so incredibly grateful that if I couldn't do anything else, I'm, I'm done. You know, like I feel, oh, okay, yeah. you know, this is, it's been done. And, and I also feel somehow now that I'm in my 50s, I feel like looking to, into this new generation or generations that are coming, my students, and I feel a sense of gratitude even deeper for the people who lifted me because if it wasn't for them, I couldn't have opened doors that I'm trying to open also for students right. and other singers by saying, don't lock yourself into a style. Don't feel like you have to. Mm -hmm. This is our music. This is jazz. We are shaping this thing. And the people that I love, Herbie and Miles and Wayne, they never found doors. They, they you know, they broke them with machetes, man. Yeah. They were like, yeah. you know, get out of here. Yeah. You know? 
It tore the whole house down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just just by sitting at the piano playing one chord, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. No, no more walls, you know. Yeah. yeah. Ah. And so let me ask you about the, the wordless vocals. You know, for, sure. for, for some people, that's a, a real different sound. You know, for many people, mm -hmm. they're used to hearing voice and they think immediately lyrics. Uh, so where does that come from, from for you? Where did where did you come from? Up? From Brazil, from Brazilian music. I mean, from Milton Nascimento, who mm. la 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 la, yeah. right? Just sings a line, and then you go, oh my god, that's like. And also from Villa Lobos, from Bacchianas, mm -hmm. from from classical music, you know. Where, and then just a common tradition in Brazil, like if you're singing a samba and every, you know everybody's together drinking some beer and you know like in somebody's backyard, yeah. And then somebody calls a song. And they start singing, just go, you know, because it's very spontaneous. And I have to say that is true. I'm not lying or making this up. This uh -huh. is how we are. That's, you know, it's party time all the yeah. time. And it's wonderful. And so somebody calls a song and starts singing it. Um, and then if you don't know the lyrics, you just go, la, 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 la. And then it becomes a thing and everybody joins in because they kind of sort of know the melody. And so there is a feeling of also breaking out of lyrics, as much as we love our poets, you know, Chico Buarque and Vinicius de Moraes, who collaborated with Tom Jobim, with, with Jobim for so long. Yeah. I mean, we love, 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 we worship our poets, but we also love just the sound of a voice. And so voices in Brazil can double an instrument or can just be a single line and or do counterpoint. And I grew up with a great, incredible Brazilian musician who's my godfather, who's Hermeto Pascual, who uses a lot of voices in yeah. his music and... So with him also, I was very encouraged to, as a, he's my godfather, so I grew up around him, oh. uh, to, to just sing wordlessly. And, and, you know, he would play a, a line on the piano, and he would say, sing that. And I'd go, whatever it sounded like to me, uh -huh. I would just sing the notes. And then, you know, a language is created. And for me, I mean, it's not a language of scat or it's just something that feels effortless. Mm. What, what, how could you make the sound without... I don't have to go crazy. Just just something that expresses it. And nowadays I've developed, when I teach this stuff, I've developed a whole thing about, you know, listening to instrumentalists and learning if they're tonguing or slurring. Mm -hmm. What's the approach here? What makes this melody better? Do you need a lot of consonants? Is it more staccato, more legato? So we can go and analyze the hell out of it, but ultimately right. it's what feels good in a singer's mouth, you know, just yes. to kind of put out the sound in a clear way that can be transcribed. Let's say that. Mm -hmm. So if somebody had to write this down, would this be clear to them? Right. So the, the, the consonants and the syllables shouldn't interfere. They should enhance. And they're almost a language then because they then help with storytelling, right? Uh -huh. If I sing a couple of notes and I go, <laughs> la, 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 yeah. if I sing that, is it better? Ah, bah, 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 oh. What's better then, mm. right? So then you can, one can judge and can decide. So I always try, you know, I have students from Japan and people from Europe a lot and in Australia, and I always try to get as close to their own sound, yeah. you know, to their own language, to their own native language. Uh, things that are natural for me in Brazil may not be natural for somebody in Japan. So sometimes we shave all the consonants, just make the line very smooth and just vowels, mm. and then come back and insert some consonants. And then listen to a lot of instrumentalists, listen to a lot of guitar players, listen to a lot of, you know, trumpet players, saxophone players, and just try, try to not imitate, but extract the what's 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 being said here mm. how can they get this tone and how can they express storytelling just with sound without words how can you tell a story without using words yeah you know? 
We're going to take a pause there with our conversation with Luciana Souza. But please join us for the next episode where she's going to talk about a couple of amazing stories with Hermeto Pasquale and uh, Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, tell your friends. We hope you're enjoying these. We're looking forward to the next one with Luciana Souza. But in the meantime, be who you be and do what you do. Take care. Mama,